We're live. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Generation Orange. I'm your host, Mark Segovia, alongside my co-host, Sean Ringrose. What's up, Sean? Uh, how's it going? Holding it down like always. Hey, you know how it is. No rest for the weary. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, man. Uh, I can speak highly on, on that myself. Actually, I'm a little bit tired, but it's all good. We're still here. We're going to go on and talk about, you know, everything that's going on with our precious Dynamo. Um, all the, you know, things going on, especially yesterday's uh, interview with Tab and Glenn. But uh, but before any, uh, anything else, you know, um, Sean, how's, how's everything else with you, man? Everything else okay? Everything's good. Uh, work is uh, work is going well. Uh, got a big thing next week, so uh, I may be very bleary eyed next week. But uh, hanging in there this week. We'll see about next week. For sure, for sure. So, Sean, I know we spoke about this off the off the show uh, prior to getting on here, but I'm gonna hijack the show for a little bit, man, just for a couple of minutes, if you allow me this time to uh, all yours. To, uh, <laughs> so yesterday, you know, obviously yesterday I was going down my Twitter feed, you know, trying to catch up on the latest news and all the rumors and all the good stuff going on in the world of soccer, you know, and obviously in MLS, right? And one of the people that I follow on Twitter, which I'm pretty sure a lot of you do, uh, is Stephen Golf of the Washington Post at Soccer Insider on Twitter, for those who don't know. Um, and he posted something, a, a, a rumor that was obviously uh, later, later on today, earlier today. Uh, clarified as true um, about Inter Miami pursuing uh, one of the sporting directors from Seattle Sounders, Chris Henderson. Now, why do I bring this up? Obviously, we're a Dynamo show. Why am I talking about Inter Miami, Seattle Sounders? It's one of those things, you know, for me, when I saw this, you know, I remembered a couple of shows ago prior to the holiday break, you know, maybe the second to last or third to last show. I know it was before we got the news of Matt Jordan being re- re-signed for another year as a general manager for the Dynamo. But, you know, this is it's a little frustrating, man. You know, and it frustrated me a little bit yesterday when I was reading this and, you know, and looking and looking into it. Uh, and then obviously with the news, you know, becoming official today that, you know, he is indeed going to enter Miami. Um, obviously, we all know that they're cleaning house over there. They're going to go with a brand new uh, uh, direction and path and things of that nature. And... I sat here in this very chair, in this very spot, on this very show, and I said clearly, before you know, they decided to go the route of re-signing Matt Jordan, that the Dynamo front office, the Dynamo leadership, the whoever was over there making the decisions, should be raiding Seattle Sounders front office, you know, because whatever they're doing over there do they're doing it right ever since they've come into MLS since 2009 that that organization that franchise that club whatever you want to call it has done it the right way they've accomplished a lot more in their short period in a shorter period of time than we have they're a much more attractive club to be at etc 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 now obviously for me you know I'm a regular Joe, just like you guys. I'm a fan, I'm a supporter. Uh, I watch the games. I follow rumors. I follow the transfer news, just like all you guys on on here, you know, and all, for all those people who are going to watch the show later on, I'm, I'm as normal as you. So when somebody in my position, and I have no ties to the Dynamo, I have no insiders, I have no sources, I have none of that, 
can see that with my own little eyes, you know, of what should be done. And then to actually see it be done, but by another team, it's frustrating, you know? Um, I've sat here in this chair prior in other shows, you know, recommending obviously like players that, that, that the Dynamo should go after that would fit their system, you know, whatever this and that. And obviously I've seen some of those players get picked up by other MLS clubs and succeed in other MLS clubs, which is frustrating. Um, I, I, I don't claim to be no, 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 any, anything of knowledgeable as far as, you know, obviously what goes along with talks, you know, and, 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 and contract, you know, negotiations and things of that nature. Obviously, like I said prior, I have no sources. I have no inside information, nowhere. I'm not affiliated with the Dynamo in no kind of way. So, but, you know, when I see these things happen and I say them prior and I see another team execute them and then I see another team succeed with that execution, it's, it, it, it's, it, it, it's painful to see, man, as a fan of the this, of this Dynamo squad, you know? Like I said, I'm just a regular Joe, just like all you guys out there, supporter, fan, you know? I, I see with my two with my two eyes and my eyes tell me one thing and when I see that I try to come up with a solution you know and it sucks when I see other squads other clubs other directors um other owners take what I see and execute it for their squad and to see that squad later on be more successful than the Dynamo it's it's killing me, man. So that was just my little, you know, one little thing I want to get off my chest. You know, uh, I saw it on my Twitter feed yesterday, and then today it was it was uh, confirmed that uh, Chris Henderson is going to become the new uh, general manager or, or director over there for, of soccer directions for Inter Miami. Obviously, we know the the great job he's done with Seattle, uh, with you know uh, countless MLS cups, countless countless MLS Cup finals appearances, U.S. Open Cup final uh, uh, trophies. Etc. 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 Just yeah, another one of those kind of slow burning, slow burning uh, daggers to the to the chest from the Dynamo front office. <laughs> uh, tomato, tomato. I I guess I have a different uh, point of view on it. Uh, you know, <clears throat> for all the success that Seattle have had, uh, they've only had two head coaches during that time, and the head coach that was there prior to Brian Schmetzer uh, in uh, Siggy Schmid uh, is without a doubt and deserves all the accolades he received uh, and has received, um, you know, since um, that without Siggy, that team is not what that team is today. And, uh, you know, no, no discredit meant to Chris, but, uh, Chris is going to DC with massive amounts of expectation and enter oh, Miami, uh, enter Miami. Sorry. Uh, he was interviewed by DC. Um, no, I take that back. It was Miami. Sorry. I, I misread the tweet earlier. Uh, probably should, you should probably go update that on. He follows, uh, DC United. He's, he's, yeah. He's Stephen Goff United, the, and that's why I was like, Oh, it had to be deep, but it wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Inter Miami. So, you know, but, yeah, he's going to enter Miami to, you know, obviously head that that front office and take him in a new direction. Um, and and it looks like they, they they're going to get their coach as well, Phil Nevin, who who obviously Neville. was the Phil Neville. Neville, 
uh, who was the the coach for the for the England England national team, the female England national national team. Um, so we'll see how that goes, man. It's just like I said, you know, I think with everything that was going on, you know, obviously Inter Miami didn't get off to the start that they wanted to, but you know, they 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 were willing to man up to their mistakes, press that reset button after year one, and try it again. And where and where best to go, and to go pluck up pluck away somebody from a success, one of the most successful franchises, in my opinion, like I said a couple shows ago too, maybe the biggest club in in, in MLS. You know, I know a lot of people are gonna say LA Galaxy this and that, but to be honest, LA Galaxy is the biggest club in MLS. Get out of here with that crap. You know, but, you know Seattle, Seattle Sanders have done a lot more the last decade. So, All right, so. So back to the point that I was trying to make <laughs> when I got okay. all sidetracked because I had the wrong team, but uh, heading into Miami. Okay, first of all, uh, like I said, you know, a lot of the credit for the building of that team, a lot of the credit for uh, the success of that team needs to go to Siggy Schmidt. And then in conjunction with that, it also needs to go with uh, uh, to Brian Schmetzer, who, who has had such a integral part in the success of that team. And is it a good is it a good hiring? On the surface, you would say yes, but here's the thing: I'm I'm gonna jump us from one from one sport to another sport real quick, talking American sports, and I'm gonna relate this, and, and you'll understand why here in a second. This is the equivalent of any Belichick, uh, you know, assistant coach going to another team uh, in the NFL. They have very rarely have they had uh, consistent success. Once they are out of Belichick's uh, system. Uh, essentially, uh, their level of success is significantly diminished. And I say that because it's important to remember that just because you have a guy who's successful in one place or a person who's successful in one place does not mean it's going to be an, you know, a, a good, even a good chance of success in another place. He's going into a completely different position. The coach that they're bringing in in Phil Neville, he's going to have a huge uphill climb. There has not been a coach that has come in from outside of MLS and succeeded in their first season in MLS. Period. And, there hasn't been. Yeah, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll counter what you're saying a little, a little bit, you know, unless you want to keep going real quick and then, you know, I'll counter afterwards. No, we can we can back and forth. Just go for it. So, like, you know, obviously you mentioned the coaches, but, you know, this is a, this is a director. You know, it's not a coach or anything. And I, I understand what you meant, but like, you know, but on the on the other side, on the flip side, you want to go back to that Patriot organization and, you know, plucking off people. Kansas City plucked off Scott Paoli to become their GM for Kansas City. And you see where they're at now, you know, sure, but, as, as but, as... but I'm going to ca- I'm going to counter that. That's one out of how many Belichick so, disciples yeah. before mm-hmm. him. You know, if but, my chances of landing. So let me put it this way. If your chance of success is 1 in 10, and that number is very low. It really should be more like 1 in 25 of Belichick's disciples over the last 15 years that he's been a head coach, or I don't think it's been... Yeah, it has been 15 years that he's been a head coach of the Patriots. Out of those 15 years, he's had a handful at best that have been successful, maybe two, maybe three, maybe three? That means he has a three out of 25? That's not even a fifth, bro. That's not even 20%. I mean that's not no, a yeah, good, I'm, not I'm, a good record, but but I no, say but yeah, that to I'm, say, I, I say that to say, Mark, and the reason I'm I'm pushing it so hard is because mm-hmm. I, I have to come back to this. People assume just because this person comes from this system that means automatic success, or it means their likelihood of success is higher, and and, and that's not true at all, especially in MLS. Yes, as a 
you know, as a sporting director, he's had a lot of success. But we don't know because we're not part of the Sounders organization. We're not part of the Sounders <laughs> fan base. We don't know what he actually did in that role of, you know, sporting director. We don't know what he what his actual responsibilities were. For all we know, he had a bunch of people underneath him that were feeding him the information and telling him, you got to sign this player, you got to sign this player, you need to trade this player, transfer this player. I don't even know if he was playing GM duties. I don't know what a sporting director does. You know, but... Yeah, no, I, and I understand what you're saying, but, you know, in the same in the same sense, though, but you have to pluck people from places that have been successful, you know, to try to get success in your own building as well. Especially, sure. when, you've had, especially when you've had a, a, long, a long period of time with no successes, you know? And but Inter Miami, with, they like, had one year with no success. You can tell me long no, 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 time. No, no. Oh, you're talking for Houston Dynamo? No, but no, but I'm saying, but like as far as Inter Miami, look, they're willing to accept their failures earlier. Hey, if they if they messed up the first year and they said, you know what, this this wasn't the path we wanted to chase, reset. You know, let's go let's go get somebody that we that, that knows the 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 mechanisms here in MLS really good, and then let's go let's go hire a coach who we think is can coach the players that we bring them that we have currently, and 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 spot players that you know for the future or whatever. You know, like I said, I yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, as far as like, you know, not it's, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean success right off the hand for the for the next franchise or whatever. But you know, at the same time, in the same sense, you know, I want to know that I have somebody there that has been there, done that as well. You know, as whatever 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 role he was. Like I said, I'm not sure what he, what his roles are specifically as a sporting director at, at Seattle Sounders. Like you said, for all for all we know. Is he was handed the paperwork and he all he had to do was sign off on it, you know? Uh, but so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my turn to interject. Uh, <laughs> back for um, keep this in mind. This is a franchise, and, and I'm, I'm gonna use Inter Miami in this case, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on that for a second. Inter Miami is a franchise that has already tried to flip it around in one year. They're not gonna give uh, Phil Neville more than maybe a year and a half. I don't even know if they're going to give him a year and a half. They may just give him one year. Look, everybody expected Miami to come in and be a very good team last year. They were okay at best. They brought in how many big-name players? They brought in Gonzalo Higuain. They brought in his brother Frederico Higuain. They had how many young uh, South American players that were supposed to be really, really good South American players. This club is being run by, literally behind the scenes, by David Beckham, a guy that people believe knows what he's doing when it comes to MLS soccer, or MLS in general, and yet they still weren't successful. It is important the as... Uh, go ahead. I said, they, well, they made it to the playoffs, so, I mean, but, you know, like, <laughs> like, like you said, I mean, I, I, like, I understand. I understand what you're saying. You know, and obviously I know it's a weaker East. And, and, and look, in the, in, the, in the signings they brought in, the Huayin brothers, I mean, Huayin, Gonzalo only played like nine games in the summer transfer, right? Or whatever transfer window he came in. And then Federico, Federico, come on. He, he's just a name. Uh, but uh, but like but like I said prior, I mean, I'm not saying he's guaranteeing success, but I like the fact that they're willing to man up to their mistakes and, and push that reset button. If they, if they feel the fact that, they, that, that the path that they were going down wasn't the right path they wanted to go through. Because, like I said, Inter Miami is one of those franchises that was expected to be a big bang like Atlanta United or LAFC have that kind of same, you know, kind of, you know, explosion right out the gate. But obviously it didn't happen for them to that extent. Look, look what I'm what I'm 
what I'm trying to get at with what I was saying there about the inter Miami thing is the fact that one year in MLS is not enough time to make a major shift. It's just not, you might make the playoffs again, but they're not pushing for a title this year. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be time that their players are going to need to acclimate to each other. Look, Atlanta United made the playoffs in their first season. They didn't drop their coach. You know, they, they had a good run in the playoffs, but they still didn't drop their coach. Seattle no. Sounders, when they when they struggled and they've had a couple of seasons where they've struggled, they didn't drop their coach. They didn't go find another general manager. They didn't get rid of their entire front office. The fact is, if, if they're going to be a revolving door of front office staff, there's no long term vision to that team. My point but, is, but we don't know. But we don't, does not we don't come. Know well, no, I, I do know that because if they had a long term vision, they would damn well keep Diego Alonso on that damn squad. Uh, damn oh, yeah, staff. Right. The same, they didn't have the same vision, I guess, you know, because sometimes you can have a difference, you know, a difference of what you want on the pitch and what it, what you actually get on the pitch, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe they just weren't, you know, for whatever reason, just getting the vibe, the, the riff off of Diego Alonso, you know. And I know disrespect to Diego Alonso because I mean, obviously, I was, I was, I, I kept in the fact that I wanted Diego Alonso here before they hired Tab, you know, but you know, for whatever reason, they just didn't see eye to eye. The, the, the the ownership group and obviously the head coach and they moved on and that's and that's fine that happens all over that happens all over soccer all over soccer and all over any sports but I'm just praising the fact that you know that that they went and sought out somebody you know that that you know has what you're some- saying though is that you are you are advocating for a reset every time there's any tri- type of struggle with no, the team no, no, I get no, no. That. You are though, because you literally are saying right now that you are no, 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 no. you appreciate because, the look, fact that he did not succeed in the way that they wanted him to succeed, so they didn't meet eye to eye, and therefore them going out and getting somebody that they perceive is going to meet that need, then that's gonna <laughs> he understood Diego Alonso. Yeah. Don't no, don't even go there. David Beckham speaks fluent no, no, no. Spanish, my friend. No, right, that no, was the surge who said no, something in chat. Like I said. You know, maybe he, he, they just didn't, you know, get the, the gist of what, what they're trying to do or whatever, you know, for the reason. I mean, and like I said, the, the, the French is only there being been here one year, you know, for all we know, this, 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 this director can be for the, their technical director for the next 15, you know, like I said, it was one change after one year and that's fine. You know, if maybe they just didn't get the right people in place, they felt that they needed to reset and that's, and that's great. I, I've looked, if, if I'm man enough to admit to myself, look, I messed up. To admit that I messed up or I, I messed up badly or whatever, look, I gotta be man enough to swallow that and just go with and, and change my direction. I get that, but my concern is that they have set a precedence now that it, for their fan base, because I'm gonna go back to this because I'm gonna talk to you about it from the Atlanta and the United perspective next. They have set a precedence now for their fan base where if we're not successful one year, doesn't matter anything else that happened the year before that or the year after that. If we're not successful in that one year, that next year we're wiping clean. We're starting over fresh. We're going to bring in everything we need to bring in to, to make that happen. And in MLS, that doesn't work. Number two, remember I just said about Atlanta United? We talked about this a couple years ago, uh, about a year and a half ago or so, that the reason they were successful was Tata Martino. The reason they were successful was uh, uh, Carlos Bocanegra working together. Yes, that's necessary for the general manager and the 
uh, or you know, sporting director, technical director, whatever the hell you want to title that person as, it's important for that person who's handling the business side of operations for soccer and the person who's handling the soccer operations side in terms of day-to-day stuff, it's important for them to work together. And I harbor very strong concerns when a team in MLS after a year is scrapping things because to me, that signals, and it's true across any sport, if you are resetting after one year of struggles, you don't have a long-term vision, and you are admitting you didn't have a long-term uh, well, vision prior to that season. Well, we can go back to Atlanta United with the Frank DeBoer experiment. You know, they hired him thinking that he was going to continue the, the But they didn't get rid of the whole front of office just because that didn't work, right? That's what I'm trying to get at. That's what I'm trying no, 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 to say. No, I understand that, but I mean, but look, regardless if it's the front office or if it's the, the coaching staff, you know, they got they got rid of you know people who are who were in charge of executing an objective and executing a, a vision right so you know and Atlanta United's obviously case that they got rid of the technical I mean the the, the coaching staff because it wasn't going what it was going they they were they were buying players and the players weren't fitting the system or the players just weren't following the coach's direction whatever they got rid of the board you know after after a year if if, if even if, if it even was a year. You know, and that's fine. You know, like I said, you you you're a big club, and you have objectives that you want that you need to meet. And if you want to be considered a big club that goes for titles year in and year out, you have to do sometimes some drastic things. You know, and and, that, and that's not no no uh, no deterring. You know, the fact that you know maybe they messed up or you know, hey, they're 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 going about it too quickly or did they didn't give the guy a chance a little bit. Sometimes, hey man, you don't have you. You just gotta, you just gotta move on. You just gotta move on. Yes, we'll see. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go on the record right now, uh, and I did this with Atlanta United. Look, this second season for Inter Miami is gonna be an absolute shit fest. Okay. It's gonna be a circus over there, uh, and uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see if they can work anything out to make what they have actually work. Uh, you know, I, I think there was an expectation from the individuals that they brought in that they would have success that very first year out. And unfortunately, expansion teams don't. You're not going to reach that upper echelon. You're just not, especially with all the struggles that were 2020 in a nutshell. Yeah, and, I mean, the whole, the whole 2023, yeah, just threw, threw, a, threw a, a, a big pile of crap on top of everything, of everybody. Well, it made it difficult for Inter Miami as well too, because obviously they couldn't go scout the way they needed to go scout and things of that of that nature. But that's everybody's problem. It just so happened that it happened the year that Inter Miami was enter, entering the league. But yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, obviously we're not gonna agree, but we'll. I mean, I guess we'll see. It's a wait and see kind of type of deal, you know. It's just you know, from my standpoint, you know, obviously in in our position where we've had the same front office for the last seven years and with the lackluster record that we carry. You know, the fact that, that he's been here for seven years, it's and plus another year, it's 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 just it's horrible. I feel like there's no there's no uh there's no um like ambition. There's no there's no there's no need, there's like there's no fire underneath their butts to to go make a move to go improve us as yeah. as a club. I get where you're coming from with that. And like I tried to allude to earlier, it paints everything that you see from league news in that perspective. You are viewing it from the dynamo, you know, lens of the dynamo in terms of, man, I really wish we would make that move. And I definitely get that. But again, there's just, 
What what do they mean, Generation Pink? I must have missed that. Uh, look, I, 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 all I'm saying is is. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a Houston Dynamo FC blog or uh, blog uh, show. Trust me. But what I'm trying to get at, and, and this is something I try to preach to fans all the time, is you don't make knee jerk reactions. You just don't. Um, it, it, and, and I'm going to use another league, another sport as a perfect example. Look, if, if the Rockets had traded Harden when he first said, I'm out, I'm done, they would have got a crap package in return. Instead, they waited it out about a month, month and a half, and look what they got in return. Eight first-round draft picks, three players that could potentially come in and do something, at least one that's pretty much assured to do something. And, and they got kind of what they wanted. No, it wasn't perfect. It's not a perfect situation. But by being a little bit patient sometimes and having a long-term vision and a plan of approach and a plan of attack, you don't make knee-jerk reactions. And I think in MLS that we need to be very careful as a fan base. Look, you're right. We've had Matt Jordan for seven years. I was advocating for his ass to be canned. Trust me, I was right that you know that. I was right there with y'all. Yeah. No, no, we've had we've had patience <laughs> with Matt Jordan. I'm done yeah. with Matt Jordan oh, training regardless. Yeah, we were past that point three years All right. ago. But, All right. but. Let's, so let's restart the show. Um, you know, welcome to Generation Orange, guys. You know, Houston Dynamo, everything, you know, uh, forever orange, hold it down, the hello photo, whatever you want to go through, hashtag all that good stuff. Um, Sean, the floor is yours. I, I feel like we're done talking about that, but all right, I'm, I'm willing to move on. But you can blame Mark for going into that discussion because you know I love to discuss and I love to debate. No, no, I don't mind discussing. It's just, you know, obviously, you know, it's something we can discuss later on if we have time on the show. I mean, we got plenty of time. We only have three or four topics, my friend. We got plenty of time. But they're really good topics, you know? I mean, they're no, well, I mean, one of the topics is the same kind of thing we're already talking about, which is MLS at large, not focused. It's not focused on Dynamo. Uh, we'll get to that, though, in a minute. Uh, let's, let's talk uh, real quick. What are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to talk, obviously, we'll probably get back into the discussion about Inter-Miami and the knee-jerk reaction of what I perceive to be a knee-jerk reaction. We're going to talk about the CBA and the force majeure clause. We talked about it a little last week. I'm going to dive into it a little bit more this week, and then we'll try to get Mark's uh, kind of perspective on some things. Uh, there's some really interesting tidbits that came out from uh, Freeze, uh, who is the uh mls uh, players association uh president representative something like that ceo yeah. uh individual individual at the top pe- of the pecking order there uh and uh they he did a, a phone thing today uh and there's some really good in- pieces of information that came out of that some of that kind of hurt a little bit to hear uh and then we're going to talk about uh the interview uh from glenn davis's soccer matters last night uh reminder soccer matters airs every tuesday night at 7 p.m central on espn 97.5 that's right we support our uh, houston coverage uh for dynamo dash and otherwise uh across the board wherever possible um but uh, we're gonna talk about that interview a little bit a couple of key points from that interview uh, and then I don't know if you've heard this. I know you have, Mark, because you, you tweeted about it. But uh, Kiki Strun has been lo- linked to a couple of different teams at this point from uh, Serie A and Serie B. Uh, and can believe, uh, like, huh? Can you believe it? Somebody has interest in our side. They can believe it. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad. I'm very glad. I'm assuming oh, his yeah. agent has connections to to players on those teams or coaches on those teams or something. But. Uh, and then we're going to talk, um, or we're going to also get to, there was a trade announced today uh, that caught my attention. That was uh, Michael Barrios traded to the uh, Colorado Rapids. Uh, I want to talk about that because we talked about 
Michael Barrios a little bit last year uh, and last season in his connection with Morrow, and I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. And then the last thing is I want to make sure that we continue to uh, continue to rep H-Town coverage uh, for pro uh, pro soccer here in uh, H-Town and in all of Texas. Um, and uh, I wanted to make sure that we bring up the uh, – announcement today uh, of the new platform that is being uh, leveraged for covering hu- uh, soccer here in Houston and in Texas across the board uh, in the striker Texas. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit later on in the show, maybe close out with that. But uh, those are kind of the topics today. If you guys have topics, uh, feel free to throw them out in the chat. We'll be happy to address them as we're able to. Uh, and as always, feel free to engage, share your own thoughts. Even if I completely disagree with you, I'll still do my best to try to read them and try to get them on the air where I can. Uh, and Mark will hold me accountable to that because that's what Mark does. Sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, do you want to start off with the poll question of the day? Oh, that's right. We had the poll question of the day too. Yeah, we got to go over that. So go ahead. All right. So obviously the poll question of the day, you know, we're in the middle of transfer window, January transfer window. So obviously a lot of players moving around are hoping to move around in different clubs within the league of MLS and other leagues around the world. And one of our players has been um, rumored to be going back to Serie B, the second division in, in Italy. Uh, one Kiki Struna, like we mentioned earlier, uh, has some interest from a, new, from a couple of clubs, a few clubs actually, uh, three off the top of my head, uh, Cotron, Empoli, and uh, Lise from Serie from B. Sorry, I try to say it in the Spanish. Um, but, which is, I think, Great from our standpoint, because I think we kind of just kind of fell out with Kiki Struna, especially from his kind of collapse from last season. So the question was basically, with rumors of a few Serie B clubs interested in Kiki Struna, how much transfer fee money do you think the Dynamo will receive? His value, according to transfer market, is $825,000. The the answers were less than $550,000. 550,000, 825,000, or more than 825,000. And the winning response is with 52%, 550 to 825,000. Um, and the rest of you, there's a, there's a few, uh, 15% of you who are, who think really highly of the Houston front office and think that they can fleece some Italian teams over there for a couple more dollars out of them. I don't know how. I haven't seen proof of that in any any transaction we've done with any other clubs around the world, but it can happen someday for the first time, right? Um, but yeah, there's the first uh, time for everything. There's the first time for everything, right? Um, obviously, you know, Kiki has a lot of experience over there playing for Palomo and, and being on loan for at different clubs in Italy. So it's a it's a league and country that he's very familiar with, and I'm pretty sure he would is very excited to go back. Um, obviously, he came over here with the with the expectation of being our anchor and he, he started off pretty good, but then, you know, wavered off and he's an overpriced defender now to us. So what do you think, Sean? I mean, do you think we can at least get fair value for one of the players that we lose this season? I mean, hmm. <laughs> is, is it possible? Is it possible for the Dynamo to get fair value on a player? Uh, yes, it is. Um, I think we actually probably got, you know, uh, looking at transfer market, it's easy to easy to kind of buy into those as being the actual values of the player as current. But the reality is that those values are mostly based off pre 2020 numbers. 
uh, in pre-2020 values and the, kind of their formulas and equations that, that p- figure those numbers out. In reality, 2020, due to COVID and the reduction in, in uh, income that was coming into various teams, has reduced the global market pretty substantially. Now, I'm not saying enough that top-end players are still getting what they're getting, but it's not the same as what they were going to get before uh, or what they were going for before. Now, with that said, there are MLS players, young MLS players that are going overseas from specific clubs, FC Dallas, um, that are commanding you know 8 to $10 million dollars. Uh, going to Juventus or Bayern Munich uh, or otherwise, even Boa Vista. Um, but, uh, you know, Kiki's in a position as a player where it's clear that he's his time with the club is, is you know, is probably over. Uh, and if I'm, a, if I'm a club overseas that, you know, wants his services, I'm probably not going to pay as much as I would pay for a player that is coming off a really good season. Um, you know, it, it falls back to the Albert Lee's, uh, kind of, uh, paradox of, you know, if you sell the player on when they're hot, do you miss out on the player, uh, having another one or two seasons of being really good? And then you see diminished value overall because you sold them early. Um, I, I think the dynamo tend to get attached to players and that's probably a GM thing probably falls on Matt Jordan. Um, we, you know, they tend to get uh, attached to players in a way where it's difficult for them to be comfortable selling them on. Um, you know, there was no reason we couldn't have sold a lease two seasons ago, um, you know, prior to last season, basically, and made substantially more money. We could have sold them prior to COVID. Um, and, and really, I don't know if there would have been a whole lot of drop off in general. I mean, we wouldn't have been any worse than four and whatever we ended up being for the season. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, selling him before 2020 wouldn't have been that much of a hit, really, and we probably could have made a lot more money on it, and then we would have had more money to spend in the summer window. But I digress. Yeah, you know, I think the Kiki situation is a little bit different from the Albert and Mauro, you know, obviously situation, because I think that the plan with Kiki was to keep him, you know, to have him. You know, we would have have wanted to keep him if you would have had an okay season, you know, given the, the circumstances of, what was going on, you know, with the whole COVID and then, you know, with the whole transition to uh, to working under tab and all, all those other things. But but he just has such a fallout, man. It, like, he just went, he just crashed down, man. He just crashed out. I don't know if it was just lack of, you know, uh, I don't know, just not caring anymore or, or, or whatever the deal was, you know. I mean, obviously, I know a lot can go through a player's mind, especially in a situation like this where, you know, He's, you know, all these bubbles and and having all this protocol going on and things of that nature. And then obviously being not being from here and not knowing too many people and having, you know, to be stuck in in a certain place for so long. I'm not too sure of his of his living circumstances here. But but yeah, man, it's it's crazy because like obviously the whole Albert and model model saga was that those were players up and coming. They had a lot more uh, a lot more ceiling to reach. And we should have sold them prior to them, you know, in our in our situation, bringing his contract to an end. You know, the whole thing with Mato, we should have sold him, you know, when he was in the peak of his of his potential or his or his powers or whatever. Uh, but that obviously didn't happen, you know, for whatever for whatever reason. But the whole Kiki Struna thing, I think it just because of the fact that maybe the player's just not feeling the direction of the squad. And he just wants to go back to somewhere where he's familiar, which is which is fine. You know, hey, you, you come, you try a different country, it didn't work out. You know, give it a go. It's time to go back home. You know, and uh, that might be the situation here. And I mean, and look, I'm not expecting, um, not expecting a million dollars 
from from for from, from, from Kiki. But I mean, if we can get somewhere, you know, 700, 800, 800, be cool. I mean, you know, you can do some pretty good business with that money in MLS. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm sure that he will be gone before February comes around, uh, especially with the multiple number of clubs looking to sign him. So that that that, that even that makes it even better for Dynamo. Puts more leverage on their end, you know, to basically give him out to the highest bidder. So. Yeah, that actually transitions really nicely. But before I transition, uh, <laughs> you mentioned you know Kiki's transfer market value shows around eight hundred eighty thousand. My expectation, what I'm hoping for, or kind of expecting, is somewhere around four hundred to six hundred thousand, which would be just right around break even for him. And I think really considering the situation, break even is actually a comfortable place for us to be um, for a twenty nine year old, thirty year, well actually thirty year old player right now, thirty year old center back. Uh, you know, that that's pretty good. And and obviously losing Kiki creates a hole that needs to be filled. Well, let's fast forward to last night on Glenn Davis's Soccer Matters show and Tab is on and Tab is uh, being asked about signings and anything that he uh, any any activity that may be going on. And Tab brought up that uh, he hopes to be able to announce a, a player acquisition uh, in the next uh, in the next few days. Uh, George seems to think it's going to be Hector. Moreno, uh, I would be shocked and surprised, but yeah. I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't complain. It sounded when I was listening to the interview, Sean. It it sounded plural, so it sounded like there was going to be more than one, just one. Yeah, player. yeah. I, think I was going to get to that. Player. I was going to get to that. So, okay. uh, you, thank you though. But I was going to get to that. He, uh, what he said was that uh, he hoped to have the you know the player acquisition announcement for and specifically a vocal leader type corner uh, center back over the next few days. And then he was hoping to have sometime next week or in the next couple of weeks additional uh, additional announcements for players uh, beyond that. And the way he kind of phrased it, it sounded like this particular first one could be a trade or it could be a signing specifically, but those other ones are more likely to be acquisitions via trade uh, because he didn't call them signings. The first one was called a signing. The other ones were called player uh, player. Uh, acquisitions is, I think, the way that he worded it. Um, so to me, that sounds like trades. That sounds like draft picks. That sounds like, you know, those kinds of things. Whereas the first yeah. one sounds like a actual signing. And let's be real, we do have a DP slot. And he did say a vocal leader type center back. Somebody who's athletic. Kind of, I guess, rules out a few, but... You know that there's a there are not a large number of center backs out there that really truly fit vocal leader type center back. That is also someone that you're going to bring on on some kind of on that some on that kind of a deal. Go ahead. Um, you know, obviously he they mentioned dangling the third the third overall pick. So obviously, you know, uh, one of those players is going to be acquired within the league if they're if they're thinking about you know trading that pick. Um, like you mentioned earlier, as far as the local leader center back coming in and like, you know, I, I try to pinpoint, you know, obviously do a little bit of research and see who could possibly be talking about, you know, and, um, and, and kind of, you know, try to narrow the field a little bit, you know, I'm not, you know, obviously not, I have, I have no connections in there. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> uh Nestor says some so Sergio Ramos and nah no no Sergio Ramos. Um, 
Hey, I actually did Martin. call that out on Twitter when I asked the question. You know, yeah. who, do you, who would you like to see for that position? I said specifically. One, now let's be let's be realistic and no Sergio Ramos, please. Yeah, the one player within MLS. I'm not I'm not thinking of any other players outside in the other leagues that would fit that criteria to me. Who be who would be worth in close to DP money, if that? Because I don't know how I feel about paying DP money for a defender unless you know for sure this guy's going to be a lockdown defender, right? Um, Walker Zimmerman from from Nashville, SC. I'm going to throw another Someone. name at you, Matt Hedges. Matt um, Hedges, but that would be that, that would be doing another deal with 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 FC Dallas. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? and you know it, it, the first oh, one was hard enough. I don't know if we're going to get the second one. Yeah, so 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 yeah, I, I, that's why I didn't really look into you know FC Dallas because I saw because Matt Hedges was one of the names that kind of circled. But then when obviously his affiliation with FC Dallas, and I, I doubt that Dallas wants to provide more defensive help to their main rivals. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, I mean, but, they've, uh, got a, they've got some young players that are, are coming up through no, those obviously. ranks, though. So I mean, you never know. I mean, I mean, unless they all get sold to, to Europe, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Walker Zimmerman. If if that's the name, if that's an, if that happens to be the guy that they're talking about, then I'm I'm for it, man. I I love that guy's attack, the the guy's mentality, and he's a he's a force and on you know set pieces, corner kicks because he's so tall and he can go up there and get him and head those goals in. Yep. Sorry, I had a message from work stuff, so I had to check it. Um, so. The thing is, as much as I look, if we landed Walker Zimmerman, Zimmerman right now, I would be absolutely ecstatic. There's no doubt about that. But I, I, it's just, it's not a player that I expect to be bringing to the Dynamo at this point. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he plays for, does he play for Nashville still? Or did he? Yeah, he played for Nashville. Yeah, he, he's not moving from Nashville, I'm telling you right now. Their defense was so strong last season. The only way he's moving from Nashville is if we include a player going the other direction that they absolutely want for their attack. Uh, and frankly, there's not a player on our team that I think they want for their attack specifically. Um, so, well, you know, well, I mean, you know, like um, Nashville, you know, for obviously this, the the big success they had last season in their inaugural season, you know, their their offensive wasn't nowhere near the the the, the capable as capable as their defense was, right? So I mean, maybe 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 there is somebody that they, they that their coach and staff feels that they can turn around and convert into a 10, 15 goal goal scorer. You know, uh, who knows? But not, like I not said, on this team, right? <laughs> not unless they're looking at Quintero. That's it. But look, one, I don't, man, I, I don't care what team you watched last year. But if you saw any Dynamo last year, you know for a fact there's only day. one player on our team scoring fifteen goals in a season right now, one and that's uh, Darwin Quintero. But but no, but yeah, but like look. Like I said, I try to narrow narrow it down, and you know, says Miles Robinson. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Atlanta United's gonna, they're they're gonna keep their they they're they're that type of team that keeps their youth, and they want to make sure that they, you know, continue to to surround their youth with a lot of veteran players and a lot of big name players as well to to compete in this in the in this league. So, yeah, I don't I don't see Miles Robinson being the name, you know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I guess next week we'll wait and see. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, so real quick, I'm going to run through a 
excuse me, a list of the uh, top market value players, uh, center backs in MLS right now. Uh, you have uh, Jorge Figal from uh, Inter Miami. You have Walker Zimmerman, mm-hmm. of course, for Nashville. You have Aaron Long from uh, New York Red Bulls. You have Miles Robinson from Atlanta United. You've got uh, 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 Gomez Andrade uh, for or Andrade, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, from Sounders. You've got uh, Gonzalez Perez from, uh, I believe he was on Miami last year. Uh, Eddie Segura from uh, LAFC. Uh, uh, Debassi from uh, Minnesota. Tim Parker from New York Red Bulls. Um, uh, and then the tenth is uh, Alexander Callens uh, from uh, New York City FC. Matt Hedges doesn't even break the top ten uh, at market value. His market value is currently listed at two million, uh, and he's a thirty-year-old defender. Now, it was noted uh, the twelfth, twelfth uh, rate or twelfth highest market value, Steve Birnbaum from uh, DC United, is out ten to twelve weeks after an injury uh, to one of his legs. Uh, I could see us try to make a play for Aaron Long. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, Austin Trusty just signed with uh, with uh, Colorado, so he's out off the market. Um, but there are some options. Uh, kind of really drop from there. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, Tab has made it clear that he wants to go younger, if possible, with center backs. Uh, but I could certainly see us try to bring in a veteran center back to take that position. My gut instinct is that this player that Tab is talking about uh, that's a center back is going to be a uh, is not going to be one from within MLS. This is going to be somebody who's coming in from outside MLS. And somebody had posted earlier kind of tongue in cheek, but also because there were rumors related to it about uh, Chris Gloucester Uh, and he's an outside back. I would be I could see Tab trying to convert him to play center back, but uh, he's mostly an outside back, but he is six feet tall. So definitely fits the mold uh, for sure for a center back in MLS. Um, or or it, it helps com- it helps um, give a, a cover for for um, Lundy and then you can move Junk and Junk into a center back role since he is a big boy. Hmm. That's actually something I hadn't considered. That's not a terrible idea, in my opinion. Uh, but to be fair, I think Junko's best uh, best capability is outside or kind of midfield. Um, I'm not sure on center back. I'd, I'd have to see him play there, uh, but I could see it. Uh, Sergio says NYCFC CBs are legit. Callens and Tinner home, and if they are willing to get to, and if they were willing to get rid of Ring, they are willing to let go of anybody for the right price. Uh, but, uh, again, they tab made it clear. It was going to be a player acquisition, uh, and that they felt they were getting the final kind of bits of the, everything signed and handled and done. Uh, and that we, sh- you know, should be able to expect it in the next few days ish or so. Uh, I'd be very curious to see who it is. Uh, of course, uh, always want to know that info, but, uh, it- it's always interesting to be, to be able to be part of speculation. Go ahead. So, if you had to uh, guess, what would what what would what percentage would you put that it's a player from within the MLS? Twenty uh, percent at oh, best. How much? Twenty percent at best. So eighty percent for it's it's somebody from outside the MLS. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I mean, I mean, like I said, like when 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 I mentioned uh, Walker Zimmerman, I just pinpointed myself to the players in MLS, you know, and obviously, you know. Um, 
you know, he's she, he would be the one that I would target if I was just gonna solely focused on on you know MLS center back that I think can be vocal and be a true leader on the pitch. Um, you know, it's important. So. Yeah, it is important to remember as well that uh, it, the Dynamo transferring or attempting to transfer Kiki would free up an international slot. Uh, which is another reason that I trend towards this being a player that com- is coming from outside MLS, uh, because the timing is not only suspicious, it's pretty clear. Um, but there are some decent center backs in MLS, uh, you know, currently that would fit the bill um, that are younger players in general. Um, the other, the other name that I saw here in the chat that is interesting is you know obviously Aaron Long, Long, you know, and obviously he had his little you know back and forth with. The Red Bulls front office because he he really he was really wanting to go to Europe when he had mm-hmm. a lot of interest from from abroad. Um, so the, that's that's the thing. Like you know, obviously he knows he can get paid big money here in MLS because he is one of the top defenders in, in the league. Um, but you know, just but when you have an ambition to go overseas and play in Europe, you know, sometimes that can clog your vision. And and you know, I don't know how motivated a player like that would be to just go to another team within the same league that you want to get out of. You know, especially, so that's why. Yeah, especially a player, uh, especially a team that has made it clear that they are not always going to sell a player on uh, or send a player overseas, uh, you know, right away. Uh, I think we kind of hurt ourselves a little bit uh, with the delay uh, with um, uh, with Elise uh, and Morrow in general. So, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Because I mean the easy, the, I mean to be honest, the easiest team to move abroad from is New York Red Bulls because they got Red Bull Salisbury and Red Bull Leipzig, two clubs, you know, sister clubs that automatically would take any player of quality from the Red Bulls if they if they felt they have the the qualities to make it in Europe or abroad. Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, so let's see. Also of note, we are third in the allocation or, uh, order uh, allocation list. Um, there are players uh, that have played overseas for a couple of seasons or a season that uh, could potentially make returns to the U.S. and uh, they would have connections with with Tab. So don't rule that out as a possibility as well. Um, you know, I mean, you just never know uh, when it comes to that. We've seen players that have have uh, have come back, uh, kind of shockingly came back, uh, and uh, you know, it, it not always hasn't always turned out well um, for for the club uh, that they're returning to, but uh, that's always a possibility as well. Um, (laughs) uh, There was a name mentioned on Twitter. Hold on. I want to share this one real quick. There was a name mentioned on Twitter uh, that made both, I think Mark and I both kind of go, Hey, that's actually kind of funny. I have, I actually knew who this player was before, but uh, uh, the name Attila uh, Shalai, uh, the Hungarian defender, I actually really like this particular uh, dark horse. I called him a dark horse candidate. I really like that uh, that call uh, by a Dynamo Insider. Shout out to Dynamo Insider at Dynamo Insider. Uh, follow them uh, for uh, humorous, out of the blue names that you would not expect to see pop up. Uh, look, that that <laughs> most people have no idea who this player is, and, and for good reason. You know, he he he's a Hungarian and plays over over in Europe, and he's not a big name player or anything. But as far as center backs go, you could do a whole lot worse. Now, 
Uh, I did a little bit more research after and watched the YouTube video, but also did a little bit more research just kind of skimming through some different things. And the one scouting thing that I saw that was consistent about him is he's not necessarily a vocal leader. Um, so that kind of ruled him out for me, but I did think it was very interesting to see that name pop up because nobody has been saying that name at all. Nobody's brought that up, but uh, that's some deep level scouting right there. Yeah, I mean, obviously with the with the comment that I made on the on the on the tweet, you know, I was on board with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, but you can't, yeah. play, you can't play in the Hungarian league and be soft. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's certain leagues where you just where you just live, you hear it and you're like. Uh, Iceland Premier League. I'm like, damn, those those guys have to be hardcore over there. Bunch of Vikings playing soccer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. But, yeah, man, I mean, obviously there's a lot of names that can be thrown out there, especially if we're going to talk about clubs outside of MLS. You know, I mean, leagues outside MLS, you know, as far as players, you know. And, obviously, if you're going to go look outside the league, you're going to bring in a I – would, I would assume, especially if you want him to be your vocal leader – you would, I would assume somebody who has a winning mentality already with him, you know, and somebody who has been to the top of the mountaintop and in whatever respective league that they've been at, you know, who's had, you know, who can bring a whole new injection of life into the club because, you know, obviously, you know, it's one thing to try to change the culture of a club, but it's kind of hard to change the culture if you have the same players on the pitch that were part of the past, you know, uh, culture or culture you're trying to get rid of and you know it's kind of hard for them to get past that sometimes you know because they've been just so used to being bottom of the league or bottom of the table um you know i know a lot of names were mentioned on the chat on that on that page and i me myself i mentioned one name and um and obviously he would check off a, a couple of boxes that i think a lot a lot of the fan base are looking for and when they're bringing in players but you know, who knows? Who knows what they're thinking? You know, like I said, I guess we'll just have to wait till next week to see what actually happens. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, um, I didn't get a chance to really listen to Glenn's show last night, but Sean did send me the clip of of the tab interview and I listened to that part. And it had me really excited because, you know, he was he sounded very confident in the fact that there was going to be a major sign. Uh, uh, well, not major, a, a signing next week. And then and, and then, you know, he expects a couple more that and not to mention he expects more attacking help as well you know as far as you know a couple more strikers you know or or you know more competition all all, all over the the all over the squad which is great because even though sometimes you know we sit here we try to play coach and we try to see oh well we got we're gonna play so and so here so and so here and then you you got all your 11 covered and then you're like oh wait a second but i have x y and z on the bench it doesn't matter, man. You gotta bring. You gotta keep bringing in the competition. This is let's not let's not kid ourselves. Even though we enjoy some of these players and we love some of these players, the fact of the matter is that for the last couple of years, this has been a bottom of the table squad. They need all the competition that 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 that, that can be brought in. They need to be pushed as far as they can. And if and if unfortunately some of these players that we quote unquote love end up on the bench, and hey, that's where they end up. You know. I'm 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 all for having a a whole new attitude and whole new players, but a whole new perspective and winning mentality on the pitch. Not the same old, it's not the same old thing we've been eating up the last couple of years. Yep, fully agreed. Uh, <clears throat> so enough about uh, enough about uh, 
uh, well, actually, before we switch from player acquisitions, uh, Tab also, you know, we mentioned that Tab mentioned uh, on the show that uh, he was, uh, they were looking uh, also at potentially having some more announcements in the next couple of weeks uh, specific to player acquisitions. Um, and, uh, Glenn did ask him kind of cornered him a little bit on it. You know, uh, are you, are you looking to upgrade striker or center forward? And his response was pretty, pretty simple. He said, you know, look, anytime you can upgrade the center, the center forward striker position, you do it. You know, you just, this is the sport we play and you have to, uh, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they've got somebody in mind potentially to back up. He, he definitely wants somebody for the attack. Uh, and I think a midfield is probably another position, um, I feel like we're probably set on outside backs and then one center back and then draft another center back, probably set on center backs. Uh, but I feel like midfield probably needs just a little bit more uh, competition there, uh, especially in specific positions. Uh, look, Joe Corona is a huge, you know, well, not huge. Joe Corona is a good signing at a position of very much need. Uh, but there are, you know, uh, you have two other positions at center mid. That you definitely need to consider uh, at least bringing in someone to push uh, those players that would start there. Um so uh, uh, takeaways on that uh, center forward striker position uh, or uh, midfielders that you can think of that you would want to bring in that makes sense besides Messi or Ronaldo. No, look, obviously, you know, we need to score goals. The team overall needs to score goals and I don't care who they bring in. They can bring somebody in from, from the backyard from Bear Creek. If that guy knows how to score goals, that's all I want. I want the ball in the back of the net. Because I'm tired of seeing all these all these counterattacks and all these you know great possession and and lead 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 up to the to the to the 18 inside the box to come out goalless. You know, I'm so tired of of ball not being put placed in the back of the net. Basically, you know, um, this the, the the team has a lot of pace, has a lot of uh, has very attack minded. They. Uh, Quintero does do a great job in distributing the ball. So does Memo and so does uh, Seren, you know, and then obviously Corona hopefully does the same thing if he's given the opportunity. Um, but we need to have the forwards available to put the ball in the back of the net. And like I said, I don't care who it is, you know, as long as he's doing his job on a consistent basis. And it's not one of those things where he scores three goals in one game and then we don't hear from him for the next 10 weeks. then uh yeah i mean i i i you know i agree uh i think streaky strikers kind of go hand in hand uh you know streaky strikers is kind of the thing um but uh you know when it comes to strikers center forwards uh you know tab is no stranger uh to those players uh from from his time as a u.s men's national youth team uh youth coach uh i can tell you for a fact i've been looking through some of the players that he's coached previously um, and there are some interesting names uh, at center forward, uh, to say the least, uh, that would, are not necessarily big names, but they're names that uh, I would be very content with uh, landing. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I, like I said, midfield, I feel like we do probably need an upgrade. Uh, and I guess we'll just kind of see what happens from there. Uh, in, in you know, in, in terms of upgrades and 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 what Tab brings in, I think if there's anything that that we have that that I feel like we need to do as a fan base, that's go ahead and trust Tab to make some uh, make the right signings, make the right decisions uh, around players to bring in. 
Uh, I think there's no doubt that Tab is is the one making those calls and making those decisions. This is not a Matt Jordan kind of thing. He's just kind of Matt Jordan's kind of handling the business side, but not necessarily the player acquisition side. Um, and I think that's good. I think Tab needs that level of uh, commitment from uh, the front office to give him the the space to maneuver. And and you know, it's it's clear his network and his uh, you know his uh, his c- connections are very vast, uh, and he can. He can find players um, for sure, and um... <laughs> you know it's crazy but, because, like, obviously, like, and, and if you look at all the successful uh, franchises in MLS the, the last, you know, two three years, you know, all all that have something in common. They have a, a leader in the back, a legit center back, and a leader who scores a lot of goals. You know. Uh, a legit goal scorer, center forward, striker, whatever you want to, whatever position they're playing. You know, it's it's one of those things where those two positions are very important if you want to start a winning culture in, in any club in MLS. And unfortunately for us, we don't have that at the moment. At least I don't think we do. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Ari Lasseter is, is our goal scorer for the season, you know. Uh, but at this particular moment, from what I've seen from the players, uh, we don't have the 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 anchor in our back, and we don't have the guy who's going to put the ball on the back of the net that I feel is can take over the game when the when the team really needs somebody to step up and take over a game. We don't have that type of player, so uh, it's an unfortunate thing because <clears throat> excuse me, you see like the clubs like Atlanta United, you know Miles Robinson, Joseph Martinez, right? LAFC, Carlos Vela, Eddie Segura. You know, uh, you know, and the Seattle Sounders, Raul Rodriguez. Um, uh, he just said the guy's name earlier. I forgot the guy's name, but 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 just point in, case in point, you know, you need you need you need if you're gonna have high quality players, you need to have them in the uh, for sure in those two, in those two spots. Yeah, uh, certainly agree. Um, and again, we have to. You know, there, there's a, a tendency to look at young players and hope and, and put a lot of hype behind them. Uh, Gomez Andrade uh, is the one you were thinking of uh, from Seattle. Yeah, hey. Thank you, Sergio. Uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, I place a lot of trust in Tab. I, I had advocated for Tab uh, when Wilmer was brought in uh, so long ago. I was advocating for Tab. I thought he was the perfect guy at that point because we wanted to trend younger. We wanted to... We wanted to start down this path that we're finally starting down because um, it, it is a long-term path. It's not a short-term path. The goal is to build up the academy to get that really going so that Tab has young players to work with to help improve and sell on and and all of that. And, and you know, that's not an overnight success type of formula. But, um, you know, you look at the players that Tab has brought in so far uh, and you can't really argue with any of them necessarily, um, you know, especially this season. Off season, bringing in Fafa Pico, bringing in um, uh, Joe Corona. Uh, those are two good acquisitions. I'm not saying they're great, but they're good acquisitions. They're, you know, yes, they're they're middle-ish uh, in terms of overall talent ceilings, talent levels. Um, but, you know, the same was said for Darwin Quintero in a way. You know, yes, he was a, he's a very good distributor, but, you know, outside of that, and he's the best player on our team. So, um, you know, there are... 
if you have a coach that knows how to employ players uh, to get the most out of them, then uh, you know middle player, middling players, uh, middle middle talent ceiling players are are okay because you maximize what you have. I think Nashville's defense is a good example of that as well. Um, you know they they weren't standouts except for Walker Zimmerman before they got to Nashville, and then look at what they've got. They've got one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, Joe Willis was not a standout goalkeeper. Some people will argue that he was good, decent, you know, even, but uh, not a standout here. And uh, now he's one of the best goalkeepers, you know, statistically speaking, in the league, um, thanks to his defense. But I digress. You know, hey, it's still part of part of the part of the uh, formula there. Um, so I don't know. You, you know, we'll see. There's, uh, like I said, there's a lot of names that uh, Tab has experience with uh, at various positions. Um, it is a shame that, uh, Cameron Carter Vickers is, uh, on loan at, uh, Southampton because not Southampton, South end, uh, somewhere South, South something, um, because he's a player in my opinion that, uh, would be perfect for that, uh, center back position. Uh, he is on loan at AFC Bournemouth. That's right. Bournemouth. Um, he's not leaving the, the premier league or the championship, you know, that, I mean, especially what they pay over there. And the championship level, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where his look, contract uh, expires May thirty first of this year. He's contracted with Spurs. Spurs have gone on record that they're willing to sell him. They've had a few suitors. Now, I'm just throwing this out there because as a Spurs fan, I know, and I you know I know this info, so I'm willing to share it. But I, he's American. Look, we we have said in the past, you know, oh that player, you know, they've got they're in the Premier League. There's no way, and then they came here. Uh, you know, or they have offers from the Premier League. Look, uh, MLS can be very tantalizing for some players. And Cameron Carter Vickers, he's at that age where, uh, you know, maybe it's time to consider coming back to MLS so that he can try to get some, you know, consistent playing time and, and uh, exposure to become, I guarantee you, he wants to get back in front of that, you know, U.S. men's national team uh, and get it, get in position to play for them. And, uh, you know, it, it's got to start somewhere and, and he's getting appearances, um, uh, but it's very few and far between. And he's constantly shifting around over, over in the, pre- you know, premier and championship constantly being loaned out. Um, you know, he's not going to crack the Spurs, uh, center backs. Uh, he's just not, especially not under Mourinho. Uh, so just never say never. I, I'm just saying never say never, man. Now with that said, we ain't getting him, but I would love it, you know, <laughs> But the question is, and we said this the last couple, of, last show for sure. Will Matt Jordan pick up the phone, phone and call Daniel Levy, Levy, and tell him, "Hey, you know, can we get look, this man? Player? He's a, this is all I'm gonna say. He's a two million dollar uh, market value player right now. You could do a whole lot worse for two million dollars. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and and I'm sure, do a whole and lot worse. I'm, to be honest, and I'm sure Spurs won't even, dude. Uh, who, who did Manchester United just sell today to? Um, uh, what's his name? Timothy Manufasa for a 1.5 mil. You know, just because the, he was he was you know they had too many too many players at, the, at one position. You know, and that's the, an unfortunate thing. This for for uh, Vickers that he's just a surplus to requirement. You know, and and like you said, he's been loaned out everywhere ever since he's been in in, in England. So he's played everywhere. I mean, <laughs> so. You know, why not go to a, a a league where you can find stability and you can be the the main guy, the anchor of, of a defense in MLS, you know. But like I said, you know, it also has to require the player wanting to come back over here. And who knows if, it, if that's even in his thought process. He may be still wanting to chase the dream of playing in England, you know. So who knows? 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, Chris, Chris Gloucester was a player that was brought up. Um, you know, he's primarily a left back. So he's a player that you would bring in and you would uh, supplant uh, Lundy and, and uh, you know, look, that's, that's great to have two players of that caliber, but uh, in MLS, if you, if you're bringing in Chris Gloucester, you're looking to move Lundqvist uh, to a different team. Um, and I, I don't think that's beyond comprehension. I think that could absolutely happen. Uh, and Chris Gloucester is going to be cheap enough. Um, so I could see the Dynamo trying to pull it off and, and just do it. And then, you know, that does move Junqua up to, to midfield, at least for the time being, until you can move Lunkovist. And, and uh, you know, it, it would free up another international roster slot, which, uh, you know, and, ultimately that's we need to start doing that where we can uh, and, and start, you know, and, start using those for something else. Because what we're using them on internationally is not uh, it's not panning out for the best. Yeah. And it doesn't get any cheaper. They're free. You know, uh, so, you know, PSV let go of a couple of players due to obviously financial situations going on in their club. And he was one of those players that's going to be let go and he's going to be able to be to hop on in any other club for on a free, you know. And obviously that's that's why the connection is there, because, you know, Chris was uh, the left back, you know, or tab in the U23s or whatever in that World Cup and all that good thing. So uh, I know that I've. Through a tweet, a tweet out there, you know, to kind of connect that going on, and they got a little bit of hits, you know, a couple, couple, uh, several th- dozen likes, you know, whatever. Um, but you know, if it happens, we'll see. Like I said, a lot of things can happen, but you know, it's just it's this 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 is what's perfect about the transfer window. This this is this is where you know excitement as a fan can come up and show out because like you you yourself you had you you kind of know what your team needs you try to go out there and, and try to fit the you know put the pieces in, inside the puzzle and try to see what fits you know for, in your standpoint and then when your team finally makes those acquisitions you see how close you were to whatever they were thinking you know because obviously unfortunately it's not as open uh as far as names go when it comes to mls teams and and players being linked to MLS clubs, unless it's a big name like Merced or Ozil to DC United, something like that. But, but like, uh, but uh, aside from that, I mean, you know, it's played. It's kind of fun to play GM sometimes, you know. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens again next week. You know, because of what Tab said on Glenn's show, I do expect to see what kind of uh, signing they make, and it looks like that vocal leader and the the anchor of the defense is the first one that's going to be uh given out so we'll see man hopefully it's somebody that we can all be excited about somebody that we do kind of have familiarity with and somebody who can really truly finally be an anchor for this defense that we've been looking for so long now Uh, i'm gonna make a joke but uh i'm looking forward to the uh, dynamo announcing minor figueroa has returned to the club for the 2021 season that vocal center back leader (laughs) that you're looking for uh that oh, would be man. uh that would be peak dynamo uh, 2021 uh for sure oh man <laughs> love you mino man uh you know i threw out a name out there you know obviously i um i threw out diego reyes and a lot of people i know are familiar with him you know during his time with uh club america and then obviously he played with porto in portugal and Fenerbahce with in turkey and he's back with tigres uh and in, in liga mx and he's a 20 year old 28 year old center back Obviously, has a lot of winning along the way, and um, you know, unfortunately for him, he has a couple of players in his position that are that are younger that have a lot of high quality in front of them that are 
uh, potentially players that are going to be sold on pretty soon to European clubs. Uh, but why not, you know, why not a player like Diego Reyes? I know, um, I forgot who was on the Twitter. He just said, Chicho. no, please. But Chicho, yeah, please, but, no. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, but, but, but why, you know, like, let's like, you know, why, why not? You know, I mean, he would raise the profile of the club, but especially in the, in the, you know, every season is every off season seems like, oh, when they're going to bring a Mexican player, when they're going to, when are they going to bring a Mexican player? You know, well, he, he checks one of those boxes. He checks well, the boxes of, we need a center back. He checks the box of the, he's, he's a vocal, vocal player, real, real, real vocal player, actually. Um, you know, so he checks off a couple of boxes. So I uh, don't <laughs> pretend to know enough about Liga MX or players from Liga MX to be able to ask or uh, make a uh, make a guess as to how they would do in MLS. But uh, you know, a name is a name, a option is an option. Uh, and again, I, I'm going to defer to to Tab to decide what player who who makes the most sense for what he wants to do he's looking for an athletic vocal leader uh center back and uh, i think things start there i do uh really like the um prospect of uh of having a player like that though a vocal leader type uh center back uh who is athletic because um, you know, if there's one thing that we've kind of harped on over the last few years, um, last I've definitely harped on it the last few years, uh, is the uh, struggle to not have a leader on the pitch. And look, if you can find that in a center back, that, that's what you want. Um, uh, so I, I posed the question to everybody. What questions or thoughts do y'all have? Share with us. And Sergio shared and then got uh, uh, temporarily suspended for uh, posting. Uh, yeah, I do get the Surge jersey while you can. Fully customizable ends January 29th. Oh, check it. Check them out at wearethesurge.com. Uh, Sergio, that will cost you five cents for the uh, plug that we put in there for you on the sh- on the air. Uh, five cents. I'm just kidding. No, free free plugs for anybody who wants them. Uh, but yeah, definitely. If you haven't checked out the newest Surge jerseys, check them out. They are they are hot. To say the least, uh, they are incredible looking. Uh, very, very well done uh, by uh, Sergio and his team over there. We are the surge.com. If you haven't signed up for a membership or you haven't looked at the jerseys yet over there, the other merch that's available over there, you definitely need to check it out. Uh, and if you have any questions, hit up Sergio. Uh, hit up uh, uh, hit up Sergio, and uh, he'll be happy to, I'm sure, answer any questions you might have. That's at Surge, S U R G E, Zalaya, Z E L A Y A on Twitter, uh, and tell him Generation Orange sent you. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I do have, uh, and, and I said we would talk about it, so I guess it's time to talk about it, and then we'll kind of close out with whatever. But uh, let's talk CBA. Uh, this is a big one, man. This is a big one. So, uh, you know, we mentioned last week MLS opted to go the route of force majeure uh, in the Players Association uh, has now gone on record saying that they view the decision as one that's geared to help the owners and hurt the players now and into the future. Uh, why this is important, uh, and, and to kind of explain how we got here, when they invoked force majeure, uh, it was assumed that MLS would come up with some sort of offer to the Players Association, and what they're offering is basically to... Uh, uh, the MLS is offering... MLS, the league is offering to the Players Association to keep the existing CBA that they used for 2020 and then extend it all the way into the 2023 season, 
what that means and why that's important. And the Players Association came out and said something about this. But that means that the players uh, who were due escalations uh, in 2020 and 2021, even tw- and now 2022 and into 2023, that excuse me, they would not uh, see any of those escalations until 2024 at the earliest, which is like four years of no escalations to your salary. Um, and for a league that uh, has said that they've lost about a billion dollars in revenue, uh, I think that's probably an over-exaggeration. The Players Association said that they thought that was probably a bit of an exaggeration. Um, why is this important, though? There, uh, It was reported earlier uh, that there are reliable sources from the league uh, that uh, that the league is making plans for the season to start as late as May, even though Garber has gone on record saying that he's hoping for a start in mid-March. Uh, look, uh, I was reading on Twitter, uh, they haven't even started planning or, or scheduling uh, preseason uh, practices, training camps, whatever you want to call it. Uh, no preseason exhibition matches have been scheduled. Uh, players association really do not believe that this, that the season is going to start in mid March. They're expecting maybe April to may, uh, to be more likely. Uh, so, uh, due to the owners and league opting to invoke force majeure, the players have had, uh, have more to push for by not accepting the existing CBA from 2020. And instead the likelihood is that they're going to enter into some kind of real negotiations. And this will be for the third time in a year all because MLS decided to invoke force majeure. Uh, and then again, it, even though Don Garber continues to tout the 30-day hard limit on negotiations, Players Association went on record today stating that the 30-day hard limit does not apply, nor, is it, nor does it affect negotiations in any way. To me, it sounds like Don Garber blowing a bunch of hot air up somebody's ass and the Players Association going, look, you've done that twice already. You know, Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, it ain't happening, bro. Get out of here. Uh, so I just, you know, I mentioned this last week. I've mentioned this to multiple people. I've said it on Twitter. I've been expecting closer to a May start anyways, a summer start for the, for the, uh, for the league, for the season. I am still projecting that is likely the case. Um, that is, that is, you know, months away. Uh, so there's still a lot of off season to go, uh, but not having a CBA in place that's going to make some things more interesting when it comes to those transfer windows because players are contracting with MLS. They're not contracting with the team. Changes some things a little bit here and there. Uh, so thoughts on the CBA, thoughts on uh, MLS Players Association and what they had to say, uh, Mark. Thoughts on force majeure. Any, anything, thoughts on a later start to the season? You know, I think I think we could have all been on board with what MLS is trying to do if they said, hey, let's extend it for a year. Because, you know, obviously we still don't know what's going to happen, things of that nature. You know, we still got to figure out what the true deficit losses as far as money and revenue for the league and for the teams really is. So I would have understood that completely. You know, if they said, hey, let's do it for one more year, you know, then we can get back to the table and, and, and hash this thing out and figure it out to the point where, you know, it's good for the owners and for the players, right? But the fact that they're trying to get this all, all, all on to what you said, four years, you know, it's that's that's crap, man. I mean, especially for a league that's trying to grow and trying to bring in a better quality player. You know, I understand that they're trying to, fo- you know, a lot of teams are focusing on, you know, uh, using their youth academy and obviously with this U23 league that they're proposing to bring back or whatever. They're trying to focus a lot more on, you know, signing youthful, youthful players, 
still, you don't you don't make a league completely based off players of your own country. You know, if you want to make your league attractive and have a, an attractive brand of soccer, you have to be able to bring in players of from other places around the world. And and if you're not able to, you know, at least be competitive as far as wages to those players, and it's and it, it, without forgetting the majority of your players you know, domestically here. Because the thing is, we got we have to take care of that, of that uh, you know, twenty first, twenty second, twenty third player on on the squad. You know, those players have to be taken care of too. You know, and and they they have livelihoods and they have futures that you know and careers that don't let aren't gonna last you know long or long as long as they expected. So you know, with that being said, you know, um, I think. It's, it's, it's a little frustrating as far, you know, from the player's standpoint, obviously. Um, I hope that this isn't the route that they're planning to go with as far as, you know, extending it to what you said to 2024. Yeah, that's going to be way too long. Um, and then as far as the start of MLS, you know, being May. Yeah, I mean, I know I know there were some rumors out there being thrown about March or whatever, which, which I thought, you know, I, I, you know, it's kind of soon. I mean, I know obviously we've we've had the, the the vaccine, you know, being out there and all that stuff, but without knowing what the side effects are yet, you know, obviously we I think it's hard to predict for them to have a regular start in March like they usually do. I mean, so and then as far as the preseason, I haven't heard any words of preseason. Uh, you know, usually the Dynamo are gearing up to go to Tucson to do their little preseason over there. No word of that. Um who knows if they're going to maybe do a MLS's back tournament type of deal again and maybe use that as a preseason or maybe use that as a, you know, a kickoff, you know, like they did last year. I mean, well, yeah, last season, um, a lot of different variables, man. And, you know, the CBA thing couldn't have happened at, at, at a worse time, you know, especially with all this COVID stuff going on. So it's just kind of it's kind of a, a black eye to the league right now. Yeah, I, I liked your point uh, for sure about, you know, if this was just a one-year extension, you know, they said, hey, let's take it into 2020, you know, let's do this as 2021, keep the same one, and then we'll renegotiate, you know, in the offseason next year. I, I think then, you know, fans would be a little bit more forgiving, and I think the Players Association might be a little bit more forgiving. But trying to extend it an additional two years after that, I mean, you're basically saying that, you know, you're projecting – what they're really asking for is – we want to have enough time that after COVID is resolved enough to start getting fans, you know, 80 to 90% back into the, into the stands. We want to start recouping that loss that we experienced the, you know, the prior year. And and I get that, but that's not fair to the players because you're, you've already basically asked them to take a pay cut, whether it's a salary cut or not, it's still a pay cut. You're cutting bonuses. Um, and, and the guaranteed amount has gone down. And then you're saying that that cut that you took, we're also going to limit your ceiling uh, even further than, than what you were expecting it to be limited at. And uh, I, I saw something from the Players Association uh, from that same call uh, where they said basically that by, by you know, if they were to agree to the extension of the, of the existing CBA to the 2023 season, uh, ultimately, that hurts players that are coming in, not so much the players that are already here. But the problem with that is, is that the majority of players that are that are coming into the league right now, 
uh, are are players that are they don't get to make that decision. They don't get to have that choice, you know, in terms of the effect that that's going to have. Uh, you know, they will be subjected to it, and then you know they will have the only choice is to just not join the league. Um, so. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I continue to, to project that we're probably looking at an early summer, May. Uh, start time, I think, is fair uh, for the for the season. Uh, I think they reduced the number of matches down yet again uh, for this season. I, I, I think your point about the vaccination and kind of trying to wait a little bit longer to just kind of see what the side effects are, uh, you know, what the overall ramifications are, um, you know, the contagious factor after the fact, you know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, trying to wait for all that stuff to kind of just shake out is in the best interest of everybody. It's in the best interest of the players, the coaches, technical staffs, your front offices, uh, definitely the fans, definitely your stadium personnel, like security and, and concessions and things of that nature. Um, you know, and, and MLS does not want to operate, uh, you know, teams don't want to operate in a, you know, less than full capacity uh, environment. It's not economically feasible for them to do that uh, over the long term. Um, and certainly, it's better than no fans in the stadium. But uh, to do it, you know, to do it over over you know even half of this upcoming season would be very detrimental to their uh, you know to their bottom lines. Um, we're already operating with a team that struggles to meet the bottom line when they can have a well. I can't call it a full stadium because I don't know if we've ever had a full stadium other than. You know, back in the Robertson days, uh, and maybe the first match and the Ch- the Ching uh, the Ching uh, uh, retirement celebration match. Um, you know, but uh, you know, uh, the Dynamo can't afford to operate for too long uh, under Brenner with you know less than fifty percent capacity and less than fifty percent fan attendance for for too long. So I don't know. I guess we'll just see uh, how it kind of all shakes out. But uh, it's very interesting to keep an eye on that. And uh, it's important to note the players have said that uh, they're not going to be the ones to push for a work stoppage, that if that's going to happen, that's going to have to come from the league, uh, and that the league have already told them that if it came to it, that's what they, that they would be the ones to, to do that. So, um, you know, there wouldn't be a player strike. It would be, uh, it would be a, a lockout, more or less, where uh, owners lock out the players. So it could be very interesting when we get closer to, you know, the projected league start time uh, and, you know, Bear in mind, last year before the season began, uh, you know they they literally went until the last uh, last couple of days before the season started to to finalize the CBA. Uh, so we could be in for a little bit of a long road in terms of CBA negotiations, and and uh, it's going to be interesting. That's all I all I'm going to say about that. No, for sure. I mean, you know, it, it's crazy how much the the pol- um, I guess the political side of the, uh, of the business can be. You know, especially for uh, a sport that we obviously all enjoy, you know, <laughs> you know, they always say there's the, the, the nasty side of the business, you know, when you, when it comes to these sports, you know, and, and it's unfortunately is one of those times, you know, especially in MLS that, you know, for as much as we want to be excited and hyped for the upcoming season, because it's the start of a new beginning, you know, fresh start, you know, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're sitting here talking about the CBA and contracts and, um, and what's going to happen about wages and how they're going to determine whether or not uh, MLS has lost over a billion revenue and, you know, other crap. You know, it just kind of brings the the whole vibe down. Um, but, yeah, man, obviously, you know, hopefully, 
I'm, I'm hoping for the best outcome for the players, obviously, because, you know, like I said, these players, um, they're, they're, they're not, let's not kid ourselves. They're, they're, their careers are not that long, you know? You know, so they're obviously trying to make as much money as possible during their playing career. Obviously, they're playing a game that they love and they're trying to make as much money out of it as they can. You know, this isn't this this for as much as, you know, we wish it was. But this isn't the Premier League. This isn't La Liga. You know, this is MLS. And unfortunately, MLS uh, globally is still a small league, you know, comprised of of below average players still, you know, and 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 that's what it is. So, um so for, hopefully for those guys, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about, you know, obviously the DPs that come in, you know, they're, they're earning, you know, seven figures a year and things of that nature. But like I said, I'm worried about that, that uh, 19th, 20th, 21st, 20, 22nd, 23rd player on, on the squad, you know, who who might only have a career in soccer for maybe two, three, four years max. Uh, I, I actually, interestingly, as we're talking about the CBA, Sam, uh, Sheshkol just uh, posted that uh, his article on The Athletic in regards to the MLSPA refuting MLS's uh, position uh, on uh, force majeure uh, and uh, the uh, off the CBA offer and uh, the urgency to negotiate. Definitely worth a read. Uh, you know, I've brought it up before. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, uh, there is no better time to get one than now, especially with the CBA stuff. Sam Sheshkol uh, will be there. Uh, covering it the whole time. And I promise you do want to read everything that he writes about this. He gets some really good quotes and gets some really good uh, in-depth uh, kind of discussion going or in-depth uh, kind of breakdown going uh, of numbers financially and otherwise, uh, you know, interviews or uh, quotes from players, co- quotes from coaches, quotes from the league, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, and, and of course they cover transfers and trades as well. So there's some good and really good information constantly flowing at the athletic and, um, you know, for a minimal minimal annual cost, you get some, you can get a subscription for the entire year, uh, and uh, there's plenty of coverage, not just for soccer, but other other sports as well. But uh, their soccer coverage is just so very good. Uh, and speaking of soccer coverage, uh, there is was announced today that there's going to be additional soccer coverage here in the state of Texas. Uh, the Striker Texas, that's at the Striker Texas. I know, really hard to remember. Uh, they have, uh, recruited, uh, Victor Ariza, uh, who also does work for, uh, Soccer Matters, uh, to, uh, write for them to cover, uh, Houston pro, uh, soccer, uh, and Houston soccer in general. Um, you know, you, you think about it, we went from really having very little coverage, uh, last year to now we have Corey Ripken returning and covering the Dynamo with his own, or the, not just the Dynamo, but Houston soccer, uh, with his own little newsletter, uh, we've also now got Victor Arise is going to cover it for the Striker Texas. We've got the Athletic uh, covering it uh, with uh, their different writers that they have, not specifically Dynamo based, but uh, it helps get information into the into the uh, uh, into the into the cogs, if you will. Uh, and then all the different uh, you know podcasts and shows that have popped up in the last year. Um, there have been a couple recently that have popped up, but definitely a shout out to. Uh, guys like Dynamo Insider, Dynamic Foxtrot, uh, you know, uh, The Peel, um, you know, all the different coverage outlets. It's a lot to consume, uh, but it is absolutely worth consuming. Show the team, show the league, uh, show the world that uh, Houston supports its soccer, uh, even if we don't necessarily support the uh, support the owner of our local soccer team. Uh, we do support soccer here in Houston for sure. 
Yeah, man, that's a lot of coverage, man. You know, I know there was a there was a time period where I was, where I was a little bit frustrated at the fact that you know that we have a local professional team here and we, there's no coverage for them. You know, there's there's absolutely no peeps, and obviously that 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 had a little bit to do with the fact with the you know with Wilmer and his kind of you know type of deal how he didn't want to really leak too much stuff out to the public or to news outlets or media. But now that we have a uh, uh, complete one a 360 in that. The fact that there's a lot, a lot of coverage from all over the, all over the bases. You know, obviously all the people that you mentioned, Sean. Um, <clears throat> it's a great thing to see, uh, and I, and I appreciate the fact that these people are out here grinding for this, for the information that they're willing to give out to us. You know, so for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, you know, and and today, uh, for Houston fans in general of Houston sports, uh, it has been <laughs> hell. This entire month has felt like uh, an absolute slugfest between uh, news of uh, the displeasure and the Texans' uh, news of the displeasure with James Harden now being traded to the Nets today uh, for an absolute monster number of uh, draft picks and bringing in the players that they brought in. Uh, and just everything else uh, related to Texans and, and Rockets and Astros uh, and Dynamo, for that matter. Uh, it is it is crazy <laughs> to be a Houston sports fan right now uh, because it seems like it is a never-ending uh, kind of, you know, gut punch. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know about you, something out there Oh, go ahead. Okay, well, can, I, can I throw something out there before, you know, yeah. before we, 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 we leave? You know, obviously right now, the 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 sports scene in Houston isn't isn't too um, lively or bubbly right now per, per se, um, you know I think it was it's very lazy of the national media to be out there throwing again the uh, a, a report about the Astros trash can scandal a year later what's going on you know that's just so lazy man I saw it pop up on my ESPN feed and I'm like oh my god are you serious man we're still with this you know like. I don't know. It must be a slow day in news, but yeah, that's. I mean, you know, that's the crazy thing, right? Slow day in news, but you got James Harden being traded. You've got uh, <laughs> Nick Casario becoming GM of the uh, Texans officially, and uh, the the whole fiasco of them now scheduling to to uh, bring in Eric Bieniemy and put, you know having to wait until he his playoff run with the Chiefs is done uh, to interview for head co- the head coaching position. Uh, just all the various things that are going on right now. And, and somehow that's all they can think to, you know, to drum up, to try to, you know, write about right now. Uh, you know, you, you called it lazy. Uh, that's absolutely what it is. It's lazy reporting. It's somebody that didn't want to write a new story and just kind of copied quotes and, you know, ran with it. And, you know, they're trying to drum up, uh, drum up a little bit of ire from Houston fans while they're already down. And frankly, you know what? Uh, that's fine. Feel free. We got a chip on our shoulder. Cleveland has had one for years, and they're starting to turn the corner. We'll get there again. I'm not worried. It's time, yeah, it's sure. time till I die, baby. Let's go. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, also, I yeah, want to shout out to, uh, real quick, uh, uh, is it Scrooston FC? Oh, yeah, uh, man. Yeah, that's that, that, that drip looks nice. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know who's behind it. You know, obviously, uh, I would like to get to know. You know, if hey, if you're on here, if you know who who's behind that, that man, you know, obviously, uh, sh- uh, you know, get a hold of me in my DMs at, at you know on Twitter at Chesegovia or at Sean Rios or at Generation Orange. But yeah, man, that drip looks fire. You know, I'm a, I, like I said on their tweet, I I quote you one of their tweets that looks like I'm gonna be ripped out in purple pretty soon. So, um, 
obviously with the whole H-Town culture here, you know, you can't talk about Houston culture without talking about DJ Screw and all that stuff, the SUC click and all that stuff going on, you know, that happened in the past, you know, and just to kind of embody it with soccer culture, it's it's a, it's a fun concept, and I'm really excited to see what where, where that goes. But, guys, we're at the end of the show. Um, Sean, I guess, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll be back next week. I know you have a lot of things going on for, for at work next week. But, you know, if, if possible, we'll be here next week. You know, hopefully we have some announcements for these signings and we have actual names and faces to put to these actual signings. So, but regardless, guys, whatever you do, don't forget to hold it down for H-Town. So, I'll see y'all guys later.